Hey coaches, this episode of the podcast is sponsored by Amazon's audiobook website, Audible. Audible is a monthly subscription for audiobooks. They've worked with us and are giving you coaches one month of their subscription site and an audiobook of your choice absolutely free. All you got to do is go to rtpbook.com and sign up for Audible. They'll give you an audiobook and a free month subscription upon sign up. You can cancel at any time before paying a dollar and still keep the audiobook as a gift from them. Audible has top-selling audiobooks that are great for coaches. Right now, I'm listening to Gary Vaynerchuk's Ask Gary and Sam Sheridan's A Fighter's Mind during my morning workouts, and they've both been tremendous books so far. It's great for me because when you're a coach, you have very limited time to sit down and read, so you can really multitask with Audible, and it's a great change-up for me from listening to music while I work out. Again, go to rtpbook.com to claim the free audiobook of your choice. Head over to the RTP store. We have two designs as t-shirts, long sleeves, and hoodies. We have our Run the Power and our Will Block for Food designs available. Go get yours today under the store tab at runthepower.com. Now you can run the power in any weather. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Attack Academy. Team Attack Academy is an online football development site for football players and coaches of all levels. It's the most powerful teaching tool introduced into the game today to raise the level of playing and coaching football. After using Team Attack Academy, your athletes and coaches will outplay, outwork, and outsmart their opponents, guaranteed. Go check them out at their website, teamattackacademy.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Carl Johnson, the special teams coordinator at River Bluff High School in Columbia, South Carolina. Coach Johnson has been a top high school special teams coordinator for many years, most notably at Jinx High School in Oklahoma, where he coached with Coach Walls. Coach Johnson was also a high school coach in Texas for many seasons, in addition to being a GA at the University of Houston, my alma mater. Coach Johnson has shared special team strategies at many clinics over the years, in addition to writing several articles and books on special teams. Listen to us talk to Coach Johnson about building a culture where special teams are emphasized, development of your kicking and return games, and daily and weekly practice organization for your special teams. You can follow Coach Johnson on Twitter at Coach Carl Johnson. Hope you guys enjoy. Coach Johnson is joining us here on the podcast. Uh, Coach, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Oh yeah, man, it's it's awesome. We're finally getting uh, a little a little special teams action in here as well. Um, I've got a, a buddy that a roommate that I played um, college football with that he's going to come on and talk some special teams too. He's a he's a punter uh, in the NFL and CFL. So. Uh, you're you're kind of uh, jumping off our our little bit of special teams talk that we're getting into. I'm excited to be here, and I love to kick talk kicking games. So just let's get started. All right. Well, um, obviously, you know, Coach Walls knows you from from Jinx, and and now you're in South Carolina. Is that right, Coach? Yes, at, I'm at River Bluff, River Bluff High School here in Lexington, South Carolina. Awesome. Well, well, can you just kind of tell us, give us a little, give our listeners a little backstory of, of kind of how you came to Jinx and then uh, made the decision to uh, go to South Carolina and, and now uh, what you're doing in South Carolina? Okay. Um, I grew up in the Houston area and went to school at Stephen F. Austin State University where I uh, served a little bit. I helped out a little bit as a student assistant my senior year. Um, but then I jumped into high school ball down in the Texas uh, down in Texas and uh, coached um, in the Houston area for about 14 years. 
um, while I was coaching in the Houston area. Um, I got a chance to go do an internship at the University of Houston. Um, that kind of worked into being a GA for two years. And uh, it was kind of there that I uh, that I kind of developed my love for special teams. Uh, what, I worked what with years? a guy named Joe Robinson. Sorry, sorry to uh, interrupt. What years were you uh, in Houston? Because that's where I went to college. I know it would be different I'm, timing. But. I know that because I've followed your career. But um, I was there <laughs> with Dana Dimmel on his staff, uh, oh, okay. 2000 to 2002. Wow. Yeah, that's small world. I, I had no idea. Yeah, you know, and, and uh, I knew a couple guys on that staff, and they were my in. And then Coach Dimmel, when they had an opening, was was kind enough to offer it to me and, and uh, got to spend uh, – couple years there and, and you know really learned a lot um, just you know on how a college program runs obviously but um, really learned a lot from the kicking game from Joe Rob. I think he's one of one of the best out there. Well coach I know uh, coach Dimmel just got a job I believe at UTEP didn't he? He did. I saw him at the convention and got to talk to him for a little while and I know I know he's really excited and actually he hired Joe Robinson to be a special teams guy so the old band is getting back together a little bit. I say they got a bunch, a bunch of those guys. Uh, coach Simmons, uh, the old line coach who was up at UNI, he just got hired down there too. Him and Dimmler are good buddies as well. You know, you're not going to find a better, better guy as a, as a head coach than Dana Dimmel. Um, he's just a, a quality person. There's, there's not a whole lot of ego there, you know. And, uh, you know, I really enjoyed my time uh, with him. And, and, and again, I'm just very appreciative that he gave me a chance. Well, Coach, let's just kind of hop into uh, to some special team stuff. Um, I know you did a, a great job with a lot of our different units, especially when we were at, a, at Jenks. Um, how often and how long kind of do you, do you practice special teams? Uh, kind of start out, you know, what, what you guys do in fall camp and then maybe a weekly plan for what you do. I know there's a lot of our listeners kind of, you know, always worrying about, you know, when, when do I fit in special teams? How much time do we need to, to give it to make sure it's okay? Uh, th I think that'd be some great insight. Well, you know, first of all, I was really lucky that, you know, number one, I worked for Alan Trimble and that, that he was good enough and he recognized the importance of the kicking game to give me time every day to get done whatever I need to get done. Um, we start off in fall camp and we would try to cover two phases a day in fall camp. So um, 20 minutes a day in practice, 10 minutes on each phase. And I had a pretty comprehensive install um, that you know, I would go through, you know, starting off just day one of each phase with stance, alignment, key, responsibility type stuff, and then, you know, install our, our, our base our base package on special teams, you know, and then as, you know, and, and then I would try to supplement that with drill work, um, you know, as much as I could during fall camp, and then, you know, as you get a little bit closer to your first ball game, you're making sure that you have all those different special situations covered, you know, like hands team, onside kick, taking, uh, taking a safety on the punt, um, you know, all those different kind of things that are going to come up, you know, and that you never, never know when they're going to come up, but at some point they will. Um, and then as we got into the season, um, I would, I would spend 20 minutes a day, and I will tell you right now that, and you know this from being around me, man, punt was the number one thing. We were going we to work punt every single day, whether it was day one, whether it was the very last practice of the season. Uh, because obviously that's the quickest way to lose a ball game is getting a punt blocked. And so, you know, we really tried to put a lot of emphasis on our punt pro and, and punt coverage. So 
every day we'd start off with about a 10 minute period in punts and then then depending on what day it was i would do something else so on on monday for example i would do 10 minutes of punt followed by 10 minutes of kickoff cover tuesday i would do 10 minutes of punt followed by 10 minutes of punt block return all right and then wednesday i would do 10 minutes of punt obviously and then um, 10 minutes of, of kickoff return all right and then we would we would sprinkle in extra point extra point block at different points in practice you know coach may just call out and say hey extra point you know between you know while we're working some kind of you know period uh, let's say maybe red zone offense you know and call the field goal team out there and, and get a couple kicks there same thing down on the defensive end you know with our extra point block team down there um, but and then obviously Thursday we would come back we would do a um, a game type uh, script uh, where we'd make sure we had you know all the phases covered uh, talk about substitution talk about special situations that might come up in the game you know if we were going to run a fake that week um, you know maybe uh, alerts to different things that uh, our opponent maybe that we've seen on film or that we had thought they might do um, and then you know I would then I'd also try to take a chance during the week and we would watch film together um, with my special teams kids on Wednesday mornings we'd spend about 20 minutes in a film session before school try to make sure that I that I showed uh, showed them all the different looks on film that they need to see. So, um, you know, um, I felt like by doing it that way, we were able to hit everything that we needed to hit every single week. Coach, you talked about the importance of your of, of punt and, and something you worked on every day. And I think I've seen you guys, when, when you were at Jinx, I think I saw you, you know, do a little bit of pro, maybe a little bit of rugby. But uh, what style of, of punt did you guys use this last year at, at River Bluff? You know, we used that same that same style of uh, punt that we'd been doing at Jinx. It's kind of a hybrid. It's a it's a it's pro style on on the backside, and then it's it's kind of a rugby on the on the front side. And and Brady can tell you, man, we kind of came out of we came to that just because of uh, necessity. We had gone down to uh, um, DeSoto and played DeSoto one year, and uh, they blocked two punts, and we knew that if we didn't change what we were doing, we were going to be kind of sitting targets for teams just to, to tee off on us and, uh, you know, run some block blocks at us every single week. So we knew we had to, to um, become a little bit more of a weapon in our punt game. Uh, we decided to put a really good athlete back there. We decided to take some, take some chances running some fakes. We also, that first season, uh, toyed around with a bunch of different formations. Okay. But uh, the last, few years I've really settled in on this formation that we've been running and it's it's based out of out of pro punt um, but you take that left bullet in pro punt and now you put him over on the right side next to that other wing uh, I said bullet I meant wing I'm sorry and uh, and then you rugby out of it and uh, you you build in some some you know options to uh, keep the ball or run a fake or to, to kick the ball you know depending on what kind of look maybe that your opponent's giving you. But it really just kind of came out of necessity because we knew it was going to be a really long season of seeing a lot of really athletic teams come after punts if we didn't change what we were doing. Yeah, it was, it was kind of interesting too because, I mean, you know, the the previous years when we'd run pro punt, I think, was it 2010? We, we didn't give up a single yard in uh, nah. in, in punt return. So, I mean, we, we'd had success doing it the old way, but – but people had kind of schemed us up. And, of course, I mean, DeSoto had some freaks they're bringing off the edge. 
So it made it a little bit difficult, but by switching to that, we gave teams a, a lot of issues and a lot of problems, you know, and I thought it gave coach Trimble a lot of flexibility and, and be able to call some of those fakes. I mean, heck, he called the one in, in 2012, we're on like our own 30 and he's throwing a fake punt. So, I mean, it, it became a huge weapon for us in maintaining drives and, and hitting some explosive plays. It did, you know, and, and those two, the, the, the couple fake punts, I know the one you're talking about, you know, we ran the, the one where it was a pass play to uh, our, our punter caught it and, and threw the ball threw the ball to the wing, just going vertical up the field, which was a 53 yard gain, which totally broke up, broke open a state championship game. All right. And then the next year we came back and, and, and ran, it was fourth and two on our 28 minus 28 with less than four minutes left tie, tie ball game. You know, we ran a, uh, we ran a, a direct snap to our personal protector. You know, we were fortunate enough to and lucky enough to, to get it, you know, and then we ended up going down and scoring uh, the go-ahead touchdown. So, you know, and that was – that was that's one of the magic about Coach Trimble. You know, he's he's not afraid to, to run a fake uh, at any given time or any given place on the field. Matter of fact, he actually likes it when, you know, when you don't think you would be set up to run a fake, you know, when, when you look like you have your back up against the wall and there's no way that you'd possibly run one and, you know. Uh, and then our kids were good enough to, to execute it and make it happen. So, um, you know, and, and, and like you said, it, it, it became a huge weapon for us, you know, and, and, and it, it, we got the desired effect that we wanted to, and that was that a lot of teams really started giving us a lot of safe looks uh, because of that, you know, and, and so – and then it allowed us to, um, to be able to go down and cover as well, which, you know, you were talking about in 2010 when – when uh, we didn't give up a single yard, well, you know, like like a lot of dumb football coaches do sometimes, uh, they try to outsmart themselves. So the next year, because, you know, I, I thought, well, if we get two bullets in coverage, you know, if we get six or seven guys in coverage, we're going to be really good. So I go to the Vogue punt of the day, you know, I go to the Shield like everybody was doing back then, and, and we ended up getting three blocks that year, you know, and, and uh, including two again against one against union one against broken arrow and uh that was you know that you know that put us in the in the, the hard road to the to the championship round um and you know it it probably you know kind of contributed to us not having a chance in a gold ball that season because um just because of those two plays right there and uh so the next year is when we you know we end up kind of going back and we start off in spread if you remember and then the DeSoto game happened. And then I remember we sat in the office the next day on a Sunday afternoon and tried to figure out what in the world we were going to do next, you know, and how to, how to come up with it. And, and then it just kind of evolved out of that, you know, just for me and you uh, sitting around in the office that day. You had, um, you know, obviously a great athlete and, and stoner uh, back there punting for you when we were uh, the year we played mm-hmm. Jinx in the, in the state championship that, yeah, I don't forget what year that was even now, 14 or 15, but, um, you had Stoner back there at punter, a great athlete like that as your punter. Uh, when you have someone that's that athletic and, and that good of – and someone you can trust, is that something where you start letting that punter have options to uh, take it if they can get it, or, or do you kind of always make that fake call if it's a – No, if, if it's I, you know, runs? I think, you know, I think, you know, now – you know, when Stoner started punting for us, he was a sophomore. You know, we really wouldn't give him the green light. But as he got more experience and felt more comfortable back there, you know, we started telling him, okay, if you see this look right here. And, again, that would that would be me and him, you know, 
sitting down after practice, watching film, you know, and, and then getting on the board and talking about different things, you know, that, that he could look for. And, uh, you know, and, and that allowed us to give him the green light. So by the time he was a senior, um, you know, he did have a green light a lot of the times, you know, he would just ask me, what do you think? And I'd say, you know, you've got, if you, if it's there, take it, you know? And I think there was only one time where um, he was not able to get it. I think it was against Broken Arrow, I think, uh, when we played him over at our place uh, that, that particular senior year. Um, you know, that was a huge play in the ball game at that time. Coach, how do you how do you kind of break up your uh, your coaches? I know we got a bunch of uh, head coaches that kind of listen, and maybe they're they're looking for ways to to deploy their staff. You know, wh- what are some things you you try to do? Because I know generally special teams is is kind of a collective effort, and there's probably a lot of places out there that maybe aren't even lucky enough to to have a special teams coordinator. So, how would you kind of try to break those up? You know, would you do it by skill set? Would you do it by coaching style? You know, give a little insight on how you break up your uh, your coaches to do that. Well, I tr- I try to do it by skill set and try to put guys coaching similar drills, similar you know um, uh, mechanics that that they would normally coach you know in their position. So you know, take punt for example. You know, I'm going to use a wide receiver coach as you know my guy who coaches my gunners or my bullets because number one. He's used to teaching releases. He's used to t- teaching stacking on that release once he gets over the top of it, you know. And then, you know, he can work and learn the different things about, you know, tackling, you know, and, and because obviously being a ball coach, he's going to know how to coach tackling, all right. So, um, you know, and then also going to, you know, incorporate my offensive line guys. Um, you know, and normally they're not guys that would be involved in special teams sometimes. Um, you know, they're used to being down there with, with, with their group of guys and, and, you know, they kind of stay to themselves, but, um, you know, I, I, I like to incorporate my offensive line guys, um, you know, where, you know, like, especially uh, to our, to our, to our weak side or our quick side in punt pro, you know, those are kick slide guys. Well, you know, offensive line guys, they coach, they coach kick slide. All right. You know, the, the, the front side guys, they're used to. They're used to coaching zones and combos and different things like that. So, you know, I try to put people in, you know, coaching the things that, you know, they're used to coaching. Okay. You know, on pump block, I use defensive line guys. They're going to, they're going to coach, you know, the get offs. They're going to coach, you know, running the hoop, you know, turning, bending, you know, getting to the block point, just like they would in, in a pass rush situation. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to coach, I'm going to use guys that, you know, want to, you know, that, that handle the ball to coach our returners, you know, whether, you know, it always helps if you've had a guy who's been a returner, because, you know, personally, I think being a returner, a punt returner is one of the hardest skills there is in football because there's nothing like that, you know, and you've got to, you've got to be able to sit there and concentrate on that ball barreling down on while, you know, those coverage guys are coming down ready to take your head off. Um, So, you know, I mean, if you have somebody who's been in that position before and has played that position, I think it's a bonus to have those, okay? And, and one thing I'll say, I mean, especially for the head coaches out there, um, you know, I, Coach Trimble coached on every special teams that we have, okay? And, and, and one of the reasons for that is because I wanted to make sure I included him because sometimes he was so busy putting out fires and, and taking care of other things administratively, he didn't always get a chance to coach. And I wanted to let him get out there and work with those kids, all right? And now, why not take advantage of one of the more one of the most successful high school coaches in history and get him out there and let him be a part of your special teams? And by doing that, that's also going to show 
the assistants and the kids and everybody associated with your program, how important special teams is if your head coach is out there coaching them up too. You talk about that, Coach, um, uh, you know, showing how important it is for these, these players. One of the things that I think is the most difficult, or maybe it's not the most difficult, but probably the most important is getting buy-in from these players because in high school and in college, you know, they're, they're starters for the most part that are going to be on your special teams, and um, you've got to have those guys flying around and really bought into it. What do you do to, to help, help that buy-in from your players to want to play special teams and want to do well on special teams? You know, I, I've been real lucky because when you look at guys like the Patriots and, and the, the more successful high school programs like Alabama and Clemson and people like that, Oklahoma, you know, I mean, they have starters playing on special teams. So, you know, all, you know, I might put out a tweet during the middle of the week, hey, look at this starter for Alabama or look at the starter for the Patriots playing in the kicking game, you know, and then, try to let my kids see that or, you know, bring that up in meetings so they see, you know, hey, here's a guy who's playing in the NFL who's, who's, who's a starter or who's a starter for Alabama's defense, you know, and they're, they're playing in the kicking game, all right? And, and if, if they're good enough to play in the kicking game, then you should want to play in the kicking game too, all right? You know, and it, and it is a little bit of tough buy-in sometimes, you know, because as, as sophomores in high school, they're, they want to just get on the field any way they can. But by the time they're established as starters sometimes as seniors, you know, um, they don't necessarily want to, okay? But I've, I've been real lucky because, like, Jinx, for example, you know, are really good players. You know, they wanted to be on special teams. You know, you're Dylan Stoners, all right? And I can tell you right now, Dylan Stoner was on every special team except for kickoff coverage. By the, but by the time we, we were playing for the state championship and in the semifinal games, he had come to me and said, hey, coach, I want to be on kickoff, you know, these last couple of weeks. You know, and so when you have kids like that in your program that are doing that, that can't help but rub off on your younger kids too as well because they see Dylan Stoner doing it or they see uh, other kids, Stephen Parker doing that, you know, then that, that becomes a big deal for them. And they see, they see how important that really is. That, you know, that was always one of the big things from Coach Trimble too was, you know, making sure our best players – you know, we're your best leaders and your hardest workers. So when you can get that buy-in from the best guys, the rest of it just kind of falls in line. That was, that was all on purpose, no doubt. That's what I was about to that say, was, Walls. Uh, that's what, you know, it seems like Coach Alexander does a great job of it, but that was the best thing we I saw when I went down to Texas and watched them play was their head coach. You know, Herman talked about, um, you know, people didn't get to play on offense unless they were on a special teams. And so it seems like your head coach has to do a really good job of being involved and buying into what the special teams coordinator is, is trying to sell to the players. I, I agree with that. I think it absolutely starts with your head coach. And then, you know, he has to show, show it by example. And then it rubs off on everybody else on your staff and, and all the kids in your program too, as well. Coach, I thought it was interesting. You know, you'd said, you know, the kind of point we'd run at Jinx, you know, the, the style of protection, it really, really did mirror up very well. So, I mean, you'd asked me to, to help out with the protection. You know, the, the backside was a lot like a, a sort protection. It's like you said, the front side was a lot like a lot of reach blocking. I thought that was kind of unique because, you know, m most offensive line coaches, probably about the only special team stuff they're going to coach is going to be, you know, PAT field goal. So mm -hmm. I, I think that's kind of interesting for the guys, you know, listening out there to, to this podcast. You know, we got a lot of old line coaches, you know, yeah, you guys can coach coach the special teams you know 
know it's, it's going to help you in your guys's you know understanding of football and probably some of your understanding of fundamentals you know I, I remember the indie periods you would have with punt it was very very specific to the same skills we were teaching our offensive line exactly you know and and by having you know I had Alan coach Trimble coaching the quick side and I had you coaching the strong side you know and 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 you guys were using the same terminology, you know, as as you were with your offensive line kids. And so there was a lot of carryover to that, you know. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I just thought it was the ideal way to do it, you know. And, and um, it just kind of fell into it. But it just made a lot of, a lot of sense to me when, you know, we started, kind of started putting it all together. I got, I got lucky enough this year that Coach Alexander let me work with the um, – you know exactly what you guys were saying the the sort side and then uh, coach Broyles our other offensive line coach worked with us as well but we worked with the sort side and I banged my head against the wall for four weeks trying to to work you know kick sliding back and I got to where eventually I, I was stole it from a few NFL teams but we switched our stance and we did like an old Texas Tech offensive line and we did vertical sets so we we put the opposite mm-hmm. foot back and and you know back track you know backpedaled the first step and then got two kicks in and it was something that was fun for me to get to see an NFL team do it and then bring it to our offensive line. But it was, or, you know, not our offensive line, but our, our skilled kids that were playing offensive line and punt. And it seemed like it was something that it really helped them out. And so I'm kind of looking forward to trying to find someone else this offseason that, that does that and try to actually learn from them instead of just watching, watching some film of, of guys doing it. Yeah, you know, and I think that's a perfect example of taking, taking you know, what works best in that particular situation, you know, and adapting it for your kids. You know, and, uh, um, and 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 making yourself better in, in that regard. You know, I mean, that was that we actually kind of talked about that this year with our kids because our our kids uh, to that quick side were, were struggling with that kick slide. You know, and and you know one of the one of the weaknesses of it is if you 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 get that width. You know, and if you get that width, then you open yourself up for holes. You know, on that side. And so you know, we were really trying to find ways to get better at you know, getting that vertical set and getting that depth, you know, creating that pocket. And uh, like I said, that was one of the things that, you know, that we talked about, And you know, as we start hashing it out for next season, that's another uh, something else that we'll discuss as we go on, you know, in the spring and in the summer. I think one of the big things was for, for me when I was coaching that, that sort side was, was really teaching those guys, you don't want to get on different levels. You know, we, we don't want to create gaps in between each other. So I think once they're able to kind of figure out, you know, okay, yeah, we're trying to create a little cup here in the protection and I want to stay, you know, close to my guy in relationship. I don't want to be kicking way back where the other guys, you know, kind of quick setting it or whatever. If those guys would just kind of stay on that same level and stay together, you know, and keep that, that inside hand presence, a, a lot of those guys kind of just started to figure it out naturally. And, you know, honestly, I, I taught it a lot like, you know, what, now LeCharles, you know, is calling a drive catch. To me, it was just, just pushing off that inside foot and you're just kind of sliding. You know, this was almost just kind of like a basketball shuffle. But just making sure you were keeping that relationship to your man because the worst thing you could do is create, you know, that different level and all of a sudden they come through, you know, backside A or backside B and it created – that's where you create the problems. If they, wanted to, if they wanted to rush, they had to be able to come off that edge of where I felt like we were good enough athletes we could just push that dude up the field. Mm-hmm. You know, just just take him and wash him straight up the field because your your punter's going to be rolling away from it anyway. And you know, and just but you know, it was one of those things that you know. I mean, that's why in, in our practice schedule on Monday, you know, the first thing we start out from anywhere from about a five to seven minute block is just getting a little quick indie. 
you know, taking taking that quick slide and working your kick slides just just to, you know, get in the habit of doing it again, you know, and getting the reps and working working that straight line vertical. You know, I've seen, you know, we worked on on lines on the sideline. Um, I've seen the Bears work it, you know, over, you know, um, boards, you know, and, and working working it that way and, and, and getting their depth that way and working it off boards, um, you know. But I, I think it's something that, that you have to do weekly, you know, because it, it's muscle memory. You know, and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta teach your muscles how to do it, you know, and train them. All right. And then the more reps you get, you know, the more teamwork you get with the two guys on that side, you know, and, and, you know, one thing I like to do is also mix it up, you know, throw in, throw in uh, the second team guy, you know, with, with one of the, with one of the stars, you know, because you never know when somebody's going to go down and you gotta, you gotta put somebody else in there. So they gotta have confidence in that new guy that's coming in there too, as well to get those reps. Well, as you talked about, it's kind of like that drive catch from Charles Bentley. I actually stole uh, his his you know one knee down drive when we were when we were trying to do the drive catch on punt uh, and tried to work that with some of those skilled guys when we were trying to do that. Um, Coach, you talked a little bit about shield punt uh, and trying to use that in high school, and and I was you know I, I learned that I was going to help with punt team, and so I went to a few colleges to to ask them about punt, um, really more of a pro style punt, but you know, that the big thing still kind of seems like in college, even a shield punt. Um, and it just doesn't seem to, you know, obviously there's teams that can do it in high school, but it just doesn't seem that it, that it carries over to high school. And then it obviously, um, you don't see, I don't know if you don't see anyone in the pros, but you very rarely, if you see it, see it in the pros. Um, I've never seen it, right. but I'm not saying you don't, but um, what do you think? Do you have any opinions on, on, you know, why is it so big right now in college, but, but there is such a difficulty in carryover to these other levels? Well, I think um, college-wise, um, you know, and after talking to a couple college guys over the years, you know, especially when we were first looking at going at it, you know, uh, I was told by one of them that, you know, they went to it because they didn't have a good snapper, you know, and it, it, it allowed them to, you know, to, to get out of there pretty quick, just kind of to – you know, hit them on the run, you know, and kind of glance them, uh, give them a little bit of a glancing blow, I guess, you know, and then, and then get in their coverage lanes. Um, you know, I don't know why it hasn't really caught on more at the high school level. You know, I can tell you right now that, you know, um, you know, I, I would see it maybe once, twice, maybe three times a year uh, on the high school level. I can tell you right now this year, I don't think I saw it once. I actually, I saw it once. I take it back. Um, I saw it once. Um, you know, um, but I, I I don't know why it hasn't caught on more at the high school level. You know, I just I just kind of fell in love with the aspect of putting a really good athlete back there, all right, and 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 putting the ball in his hands, you know, and you know teaching even a kid that maybe was not a rugby punter, you know, how to get that rugby roll, you know, and you know getting that ball rolling and doing crazy things. And, and trying to get trying to get your gunners down there, you know, sitting on right on top of him as he's trying to, you know, as he's trying to field the ball, um, you know, and then, you know, making teams kind of bail out of their block look, uh, because I'll tell you right now, if, if I'm playing a team and they're 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 a, they're a shield team, you know, I've got a couple of different blocks that I love to run against shield teams that we've had a lot of success with, you know. Um, and so I, I kind of get a little excited when I see a shield team because I know I'm going to get a chance to, you know, to show a pretty good block look against against that team. 
Um, but now if I'm playing a team that's got a Dylan Stoner type kid, you know, and that, that changes my mentality a little bit, you know, and now I've got to, I got to be aware of the different things that that kid can do with the ball back there and, and the possibility of a fake. With I don't know if that answered your question or not. I hope it did. It, it definitely does. Uh, with with all the the scare with the concussion protocol and all that, I I can't believe it's still legal. I know the guys when I was in college hated being on shield, uh, shield punt the lineman. That was their worst part of it. Luckily, I was I was starting, so I never had to to be on it. But they hated <laughs> shield punt. That was so that was one of the other things, you know, at, at Tulsa, uh, Coach Downing, when I was there, talked about it. And I'd, I'd asked him some of the similar questions. You know, what what are the, the positives, you know, of pro or, you know, of rugby versus shield? And he would said, w- with shield, you actually – a lot of people think you get better coverage. He thought it was worse because you're only putting seven guys on the field who could make a tackle because then the other – four guys you have three offensive linemen or bigger dudes in the shield and then you have a punter who's generally not a very good tackler if he's not a great athlete so you know he thought at the college level now if, if those seven guys don't make the tackle that dude's gone so he, he always thought yeah. quite honestly he, he liked more of a, a pro style and thing like that too so I mean there's both you know we, we did both here at Ankeny uh, I, I think you could do both again it's 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 like Coach Johnson said. It's what you believe in, what what you think makes the most sense to you, and you know some people the, the shield works. Other people, it's it's other things. So tomato tomato, really. I I agree with that absolutely. I mean, it doesn't matter. It matters what you believe in and what you're willing to hang your hat on. And, you know, you're the one that has to has to sell the head coach on that's that's the scheme you want to run. You know, um, I I remember I remember it was a pretty short conversation with coach Trimble the year uh, that we ran the shield that, you know, as soon as the season was over, we, I knew pretty quickly we were going to go back, you know, to, to pro punt and, and, and start working the pro punt after, after getting a couple blocks, you know, I mean, I don't even think he had to tell me, I think I already had just already made plans on, on going back, you know, and, and, and looking at the pro punt again. Coach, let's get a little bit into the, the return game. I know we always had some, some pretty good uh, return games. Uh, let's talk more kickoff return. We've kind of we've kind of hammered out punt a little bit. Uh, what are some of your favorite schemes as far as as kickoff return, and then maybe what were some of your strategies about you know moving your personnel around? Because I just thought you were pretty good about being able to get guys in spots. You know, a lot of teams you start taking some of these kicks to the house, and they just start sky kicking it or they start squibbing it. You know, what are some different strategies you have for uh, for the returns? Well, you know, I'm going to – what I try to do is every week when I'm, I'm watching film is I'm going to uh, go back and chart every single kickoff that, that, that we have on the film from that, from that opponent, you know. And um, I kind of color code it by, um, by their opponent. And so, you know, I try to just, number one, figure out patterns, you know. Hey, are they – what's their personality? Are they a deep ball team? Are they a sky kick? Or maybe did they sky kick this particular week because of – uh, who who they had back deep, you know, it just kind of try to get a good read on, on what that team is doing. Um, and then, you know, I'm going to try and adjust my formation based upon where they like to land the ball, okay? And, you know, and I'm also going to look at, you know, kickers' approaches. I'm going to look at the, the distance that they kick off from. What ha- You know, does it, does it change from hash to hash or does it stay the same? stay the same you know do they do they tip off when they're going to sky kick 
uh, versus when they're going to kick a deep ball, um, you know, or do they have that guy who can just put it in the, in the box every single time? So um, once I get a beat on that, I'm going to look at putting our personnel and putting our best guys exactly where they're going to put the ball every time. Okay, so um, whether that's a, a too deep look or whether that's a diamond look, a uh, diamond look, um, you know, I'm going to adjust my returners based upon what I, I see with see with those guys. Um, you know, when I first came to Jinx and before I was the coordinator, or actually when I even when I started being the coordinator, we were a, a like a sideline trap team. You know, we would we would number everybody off. You know, we were going to try you know try to run a sideline trap and um, you know, and we had a little bit of success with it, okay? But then, and then we, and this is probably back in 2005. I'd say right now, my first game as a special teams coordinator was against Gus Malzahn and that 2005 Springdale team. You know, that was that was uh, you know running that funky kickoff return. You know, and then you had to try to figure that out. You know, and how the blocking pattern was on that. You know, and then try to defend that. So um, I got thrown to the to the wolves pretty quickly on that. Uh, but also that year later in the season. Uh, we played a team, and it was Sepulpa, and they were, and they they try to do a lot of onsides, and they try to do a lot of different things, and every week it was like a different adventure and kickoff, and uh, their kickoff coverage. Um, but what they tried to do to us is they started, you know, podding people up and scrambling people and coming out of the huddle, you know, and, and kind of you know having everybody go every which way, and that was obviously when it was when it was legal to do that. And so we went that year against those guys. We just went to a simple wedge return, a double wedge. You know, you're, you have a front wedge with, with your front five guys, and you have a back wedge with your, your back four guys, and then your, your off returner leads, leads the returner up in the hole. You know, we try to just make it really, really simple. Um, and it, it's kind of stuck with us, you know. And, 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 and you guys know because you've seen us, you've seen it on film enough where, you know, I mean, we just make it really, really simple where the kids don't really have to number it off. They just have to know, they just have to know a few rules, you know, to pull off that return. You know, and the rule is very simple. You're going to block head up to outside. You don't ever chase anything inside, you know, and the, the back wedge, their job was to get 10 yards in front of the returner, you know, no more than three yards outside the hash, you know, that front wedge, they were going to set the, the front wedge off the back wedge. So it was really important that that, that back wedge captain, did a really, really good job. And you had to have somebody who was pretty smart in that role back there. You know, if they kick the ball, you know, down in the corner, then, you know, the, the returner's got one of two choices. He can either, he can either try to get back to the wedge, which is set three yards outside the hash, or he can just get up the sideline and get what he, what he can get at that time. But, you know, um, once we went to that, we, we haven't really looked back and, and I, I don't know what Jinx is doing now, but, you know, when I came to River Bluff this year, we we're running that same return, and we had, we had I think three kickoff returns this year for touchdowns. Uh, in in the in the history of the program, uh, they had never had a kickoff return for a touchdown before. So uh, the kids got really excited about that, you know. And then you know how it goes once you build on that excitement, everything else just kind of keeps building and building. So um, that return's been really good for me over the years, you know. And um, it was simple enough in that you just teach some basic rules uh, every week we would go and we would uh, get a few reps on air all right and then you know we would kind of walk our, our scout team down and show some different fits and and, and who their safety were who their safeties were and, and some different things like that but um, you know again it, it's it's been really successful for us it was it's pretty simple 
and our kids really, you know, have done a good job running it over the years. Coach, do you have an, another return that's based off of double wedge or set up off of double wedge, or is that just something you're, you're just going to do that and, and just be really great at that? You know, we've, we've kind of talked about, uh, and we've kind of had this in a couple of times where, you know, it's going to look like it's the wedge, and it's gonna, especially if we see a team that, that knows we're running the wedge, they try to all bunch up, you know, and, and try to fit up in that wedge and get really co- compact. You know, and then we would we would maybe call wedge bounce. You know, where that where that returner is going to act like he's sticking it up in there, and then he's going to try to bounce it out to the wide side of the field if if the ball's on the hash, or it could be a predetermined call there. Um, one thing that we did a couple of years ago, we we were playing a team that was a really consistent. I mean, we just knew they were not going to um, they were not going to uh, kick the ball deep to us, and they were they were sky kicking everybody is that, you know, we put in a throwback that particular week, you know, um, we had a kid by the name of Brett Stanley, who's playing baseball at Oklahoma state. He has a great arm. You know, he was, he was a second and third level guy on the kickoff return. So we, we put him to the side where, you know, we knew they were going to uh, sky kick it too. And then we worked in a, a throwback scheme just, like the Titans ran and the music city miracle years ago. I mean, we schemed it up exactly like that. Um, and, um, you know, the kicker, uh, had a little wind behind his back, kicked it a little deeper than normal. Uh, the Stanley kid made a great adjustment on the ball. We got the throwback, uh, to a kid named Isaiah Epps who's playing at Kentucky now. And he got it out to midfield and, uh, and the kicker, the kicker tripped him up. So it didn't go to the house, but you know, it started oh. started out started out the game really, really well. <laughs> you can't get tackled by the kicker, though, man. I know. I, I hate to say that too, <laughs> Coach. It, it seems to me something that makes me the Madison. It's a guy that doesn't do much special teams, you know, other than field goal or, or punt. But is is it seems like return teams. Um, what kills you is when you start getting penalties, and, and it's almost always from the return team, it seems like, never from the, the cover team. And it just puts your offense in such a bad position. Um, obviously, I, I didn't see that much out of you when you were at Jinx, if at all. So what what's some things that you're, you're telling your guys or what's some things that you're drilling into their head that keeps them uh, from hitting in the uh, – blocking in the back or, or getting some of these penalties that set the offense back uh, in their drive? Well, I think, first of all, you have to really, I mean, when you're personnel on these units, you really got to put kids you trust out there. I mean, you know, because that is, like you said, the quickest way to kill a drive right there, you know, is to now, instead of starting, starting out at the 35 yard line now to be, to be back inside the 15 yard line because of a block in the back or a hold or something else like that. So number one, you got to, you got to have kids that you can trust. And you, you got to really be really smart in who you who you put on those units, okay? Um, but number two, you know, it's it's just like anything else. Those kids got to hear it over and over again, all right? You know, whether it's whether it's a punt return, you know, and and and, and making sure you see see the front of their numbers, all right? And I always talk about, hey, if you can't see the front of their numbers, then you need to go find work somewhere else, you know. And it was something that we would we would talk about every week, you know, just, I mean, you know, I mean, just like we would talk about, I mean, this is something that's just so simple, but at the same time, I mean, you can't hear it enough. All right. 
what happens if you block a punt? Well, if it's behind the line of scrimmage, what are you going to do? You're a scoop and score, right? If it's blocked on your side of the line, you're going to do what? You're going to peter, you know? I mean, it was something that we would go over and over and over again, just where it's repetitive. And those kids could probably, when I start talking about it, you know, they're probably rolling their eyes because they hear it so <laughs> much. But I, but I, I don't think you can, you can talk about those little coaching points enough, you know, where kids hear that, you know, um, because, you know, obviously, you know, you know, you're going to work a lot of different kids on your special teams through the course of the year. So, you know, you, you've got to just be really consistent in that not only me as a coordinator, but you but your guys are coaching on each of those units too and talking to those guys and they've got to be saying it to those guys over and over and over again. Right. You know, but, and then we just always talked about, you know, Hey, you, you've got to be the most disciplined group out there. You know, you've got to be, you've got to be more disciplined than the other side of the ball. And, you know, and luckily, you know, we didn't have too many times where, um, you know, on kickoff return, we, you know, we ended up, you know, putting ourselves in really poor field position. Now in punt return, now it's a little bit different animal sometimes, you know, because, you know, you get out there and the adrenaline's going, you know, and the guy turns wrong or maybe, not that the referees would ever, you know, make a bad call, but you know, sometimes Never. sometimes they don't they don't sometimes they just don't see it like you do, you know. And <laughs> you know, so, you know, sometimes, you know, and that was probably the area where, you know, we weren't as good as we'd like to be sometimes. I, w- I wonder too, I mean, and just thinking out loud here, I wonder how often uh, officials practice the mechanics of special teams, you know? I, I can't imagine that that's one of the things when they go to the clinic that they spend a ton of time on. I could be completely wrong here, and maybe you know more about it, uh, Carl, but to me, th- that seems like it's one of the reasons why you see more penalties, you know, that because I, I think maybe they're not in position or it's probably easier to, to be out of position because of all the chaos that's going on. No, I think you're exactly right, Coach. I mean, I, I think because it's such a dynamic play where there's so many moving parts – you know, uh, and, and, and it can change so quickly, you know, uh, on a special teams play, you know, that, you know, sometimes they're not in position or, you know, sometimes they may, you know, uh, or sometimes, you know, I mean, it's the same thing for the players too. And for kids, you know, I mean, I mean, you're coming down and you think you see the front of those guys numbers and all, that kid's number. And then all of a sudden, you know, he turns his back to you and you've already, you know, you've already gone to try to engage him, you know, and, and, you know, how often have we have we seen that? So I, I think it's just because of uh, the way those plays, you know, develop, you know, and it happens so quickly. Coach, as a, as a special teams coordinator, it kind of seems um, like it obviously would get extremely hectic, chaotic during a game. You know, you've got guys on offense, you've got guys on defense, you've got your own position that you're coaching, and then uh, you're trying to coach them on third down. You're also trying to get – whatever special teams is ready, half those guys are on the field. Some of them are uh, over talking to their defensive coach or, or whatever it is. Uh, you know, I've seen guys have, you know, lists, lists of different uh, depth charts and maybe different plays they're going to run in special teams that they can show to remind the guys. What are some things that you do to try to keep uh, it as less chaotic as possible on game night when you're trying to round all these kids up and do all these things on a Friday night? Well, I think first of all, you gotta you gotta find someone um, on your staff. Maybe it's maybe it's a middle school coach or, or or whatever you know to to help you. I mean, I had that luxury when I was at Jinx. I had a guy by the name of Brady Robbins who was uh, 
who was indispensable to me on, on Friday nights. You know, I mean, he would help track down kids. I mean, if a kid was hurt, he would go, you know, while I was coaching, you know, my, my defensive position, he would go to our trainers, training staff, you know, and find out exactly, you know, what he's thinking about how long this kid is out. Maybe it's a series, maybe it's the rest of the half, maybe it's the whole game, you know, and then, and then come back and report to me, you know, as, as quickly as possible. So then I could go to work, you know, on, on getting, you know, the next guy up ready to go. Um, you know, and I think if you had, and I had a guy named Tom Hissong that helped me for several years, Rusty Allen helped me for a bunch of years, you know, I mean, I think you need two or three of those guys, you know, and, and what we would do a lot of times is, you know, I would, I would kind of be at ground zero right there at the 50 yard line in the box there, you know, and, and Brady would work one end of the field, Tom would work the other end of the field, you know, looking for kids, especially, you know, we were real fortunate where, you know, we were in some blowout games, you know, and, and in the middle of the, the third quarter, Coach Trim would say, okay, let's get all the starters out, you know, and then you'd be trying to make changes on special teams to, to you know, wholesale everybody and get everybody in, you know. And so I would I would just tell them who we're looking for, you know, and those guys were great at being able to go and find those guys. Um, you know, I'll tell you something I, I started doing a couple of years ago, and, you know, it was a pretty simple thought process on my part. I was watching an NFL game, all right, and it's coming down to the end of the game, and they're talking – and it's, it's an onside situation at the end of the game, all right? And so I watch them huddle up on the sideline, and I see their special teams coordinator, and he's got a, a three-ring binder there, you know, and he's showing them he's showing them alignments, you know? And I thought, well, how stupid am I? I mean, if, if that guy's coaching NFL, you know, and he's using that three-ring binder, you know, and he's showing diagrams to those guys, then I probably need to be doing that too. And so ever since then, you know, what I do is I have a binder each week and I obviously update it, but it's got, it's got our hands team. It's got our, our, it's got our onside kick alignments. It's got different adjustments for both of those. Um, I've got our punt return uh, looks and blocks for that particular week. Um, I have our opponent stuff in there, you know, and then I've even, I was even, you know, I even did some screenshots of, of some of their video off, you know, off the huddle film we exchanged during the, during, you know, during the week you know, and then I was able to, you know, show different looks of different pump block looks that we would maybe see against that, that team that night, especially when you're playing a team against like Union, you know, and they're, they're going to, you know, have two or three different really good looks that they're going to try to show you. And so I, I keep that with me, you know, and so that I can have that whenever I need that, you know, and that just, that was kind of like an aha moment for me, you know, hey, if, if, you know, if, if uh, Mike Westoff can, uh, needs to use a binder. I probably do too. <laughs> so, um, you know, I've carried that with me ever since on Friday nights. I think that makes a ton of sense. I mean, you, you think about it and you'd mentioned it earlier in the podcast. I mean, you're not getting a ton of meeting time and not to mention you're, you're coaching five different special teams, you know, and they give you 20 minutes to 30 minutes of meeting time. And we've already had, you know, all the stuff we ha we have to have these kids for, you know, for a full defensive installation, a full offensive installation, you know, it's almost like a basketball coach on the sideline. You have to kind of draw up the, the last play there. And, and what more important play could there be, you know, than maybe it must have onside or the hands team has to get that. Yeah. I, think it, I think it makes total sense just to have those kids engaged and, and get them refocused because God knows they're, they're probably not going to remember that when it comes to, to that moment in the game. You know, it's a little different from Thursday afternoon, you know, going over that onside or that hands team alignment to, you know, the last 
22nd in a state semifinal game the next night, you know, underneath underneath the lights playing at the University of Tulsa in front of about 20,000 people. A little bit different scenario, so there's probably not going to be as much retention, you know, as, uh, as, as there would be, you know, normally. So anything you can have to help you, obviously, is going to be good. Coach, you talk about onside kicks. Um, how many onsides do you, do you normally bring into any game? And, and do you have any, you know, I was in college and, and we had a great special teams coach, Coach Levine, and he had some um, really big time drawn up uh, different onside kicks. Do you have any two kicker onside kicks? So kind of two things. Do you have any two kicker stuff? And then and how many onside kicks do you bring into any game? Well, hopefully one really good one that works, you know. Uh, <laughs> if I have one really good one that works, then you know, nothing else matters. But, um, you know, you just try to kind of get to know your kicker, obviously, you know. And there's been years where, you know, one guy who was my kickoff guy, he was always going to be my onside guy, you know. There was a year where, you know, I had a, a kid who was who was a really good kickoff guy. And then the kid that didn't ever really play a whole lot, he was my onside guy. And so, you know, I mean, it was kind of like, you know, he had to, you know, he had to make sure he was ready to go, even though he hadn't been in the game at any point whatsoever. But he had to make sure he was ready to go at probably the most important time of the ball game. Um, I have done a couple of uh, double kicker um, onside kicks. Um, you know, uh, they were not successful, though. So um, I don't have any magic any magic behind that but you know I have looked at that you know and I think if you've got one was a left-footed kicker one was a right-footed kicker and that's why I thought that was a really good good tool to have at that particular time um, was having the, the two kicker deal um, but you know just you know the secret for me I don't know if it's a secret but the key for me is is, is finding the kid and we worked at this every week you know is working on trying to get that right bounce you know at the right the right landmark, you know, to give your kids a chance, you know, to get that hop, you know, and, and to, to, have, to be able to make a play on the ball, you know. And, you know, I mean, I watch NFL games and I watch college games, and it makes me realize by watching NFL games and, and their lack of success on how hard of a thing it is actually really to do. Right. It, it's extremely, extremely difficult, obviously. Um... Because you said, like you said, very few teams are successful with it. Um, I, I'm kind of curious, you know, you see a lot of college and NFL teams be able to do it, and obviously they get a little more time with their kids. But towards the end of a game, if an onside is, is apparent and it's going to happen, you'll see a team line up in, in a certain formation to onside kick it, knowing the other team has a timeout, the other team will use their timeout, then then the kickoff team will come out in a different onside. Is that something that you're – that you – come into a game or come into that last onside kick knowing they have one timeout? Is it something that you, you'll throw something else out there different sometimes or um, it, it's a little too much for a high school team to do? Well, no, I don't think it's too much for a high school team. Um, luckily for us, we weren't in that position a whole lot, but that's something, you know, I mean, that's, that's one of the, the great things about work for Alan Trimble, man. He, he left, he leaves no, no stone unturned. I mean, and, and so, a lot of times, you know, especially when it got to big, really big ball games, and you knew that that was a possibility. I mean, that was the kind of stuff that we would sit down and talk about on Thursdays. You know, hey, how are we going to handle this situation, or how? And Brady's Brady's been in that meeting room. He knows exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, Alan was really good about you know um, about you know um, 
being ready for any, any kind of situation and knowing exactly the right call to make at the right time, you know? And, uh, but yeah, that is something that we, we would talk about, you know, and, but luckily, luckily for us, we never had to really, you know, use that, you know, use that, that approach. Yeah. He was always so good at kind of playing devil's advocate, you know, asking you, okay, you know, we're ahead by this. Are we ready to run, be able to run this play? You know, what are our last four plays? You know, what, what are we going to do if, if this guy goes down? I mean, he, he always had contingency plans upon contingency plans. And honestly, that was one of the things that, that made him great. I, I love just standing beside him on Thursdays, you know, and it was pretty relaxed and laid back and just kind of picking his brain on these things, you know, and heck, there'd be times I'd, I'd try to throw something at him, you know, hey, coach, what happens if, you know, we got to run one of these lateral plays or something like that. You know what? We need to work that, you know. <laughs> I mean, it was always kind of amazing to, to see and he, or he'd have a story about when they had to do it. So, I mean, it kind of, it kind of, it, it you know, what, what sets some of the, the ball coaches apart, you know, they're, they're always thinking big picture and they're always kind of, you know, playing the chess pieces two or three steps ahead of the rest of us. And I, I think that's a gift. I really do. I mean, uh, you know, um, the great ones like that, I mean, they're able to do that and, you know, and that's what makes them great, you know, that, uh, they're already a couple plays ahead, you know, or they already know, uh, how, you know, what they want to do in, in what situation. Uh, let me tell you a funny story though. Um, this is like when we were going to run the, the fake punt. Brady, I don't, I don't remember if you, were you still there when we ran the fake punt with Parker when we threw it to him? Yeah, that was in, uh, 2013 when we Dude, won it. Okay. Yeah. 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 And we're so throwing it with know. we're throwing it with a soccer dude that's never thrown a ball in his life. <laughs> yeah. And that was and that was Coach Trimble's exact remark to me. So, you know, in, in Oklahoma you have, you know, you have about two weeks between the semifinal game and, and the championship game. And so as we're kind of putting together the game plan, you know, um, Union had, had a really strong tendency that hey, they were gonna they were going to put their eight fastest guys out there and they were bringing them. Right. And it didn't matter, especially if they got you pinned back in certain field positions or certain, you know, yard lines on the field or anything. Uh, and so they were going to bring them. And so I remember going to him and he goes, what do you think for the fake? And I said, well, here's what I'd like to do, coach. I'd like to, you know, I'd like to direct snap it to our punter. All right. And they're going to be bringing eight guys really fast. And I want him to catch it, and we're going to release Stephen Parker up the seam, and we're going to hit him on a hot route right then. And he stopped, and he looked at me, and he said, so you mean to tell me we're going to take a guy who never does anything with his hands, and we're going to have him throw the football? <laughs> I said, yes, sir. That's what we want to do. All right, and I said, we've been working on this and having him throw the ball and Tyler Rodner was the kid, and he's a great kid. He's a really good athlete, you know. And and uh, we worked on it, and so we get ready to call it in the game, and it's like fourth and fourth and seven on our twenty-three yard line, and it, it just set itself up so you know so perfectly. And I remember on on between second and third down, Coach Trimble gets on the headsets and he says, "What do you think?" I said, "Well, Coach, we've worked on it." It's exactly what we want. You know, I say we go for it. Okay. <laughs> and of course it's not my butt on the line. It's his butt on the line. But it's okay? So, you know, so it's easy for me to say that. And so he says, okay, we let's, let's run it. Okay. Be ready, you know, get ready to send it in. So I tell those kids on the sideline, they're all jacked up and they're so excited that we're going to run this play. All right. 
I remember the Ryder kid takes a step out on the field and stops, and he looks at me and he goes, you really want to do this? <laughs> Get your butt out there on the field trying to play. And so this kid now, you know, he makes a perfect pass. And, and oh, it, was a great, it was a great throw. Great throw. Coaching point for this whole thing is fluffy pillow. Nice fluffy pillow. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. Just make a nice fluffy pillow throw and put it in his arms. Okay. Kid, the kid will go down in state championship history as being a 1,000% career passer now because he made that one completion. And, so and the, the, saying the sad, this, I was going to say the sad thing was, I mean, he hits it for that 53-yarder, and we were just talking about, you know, guys don't block in the back. We blocked the guy in the back on that too. <laughs> but luckily, we still had enough yardage for the first down. Yeah, it was, it was, way, it was way downfield, yeah, but it was – I don't know if I would have ever made that call. That one, that, that one was pretty sweet. That was huge, wasn't it? Uh, you yeah. know, no. I mean, that's that's what separates him from everybody else. So, you know, so that was one of my favorite stories about you know a big a big special team play in a in a big situation. Well, coach, just just wrapping it up a little bit. Kind of a question I ask everybody, but obviously you do more than special teams. You, you have your own position as well. And, and so you watch a lot of football. Um, I know you're the special teams coordinator, but watch, watch a lot of football and, and you've been a, a GA. So, so you've, you've watched, I'm sure hours and millions of hours of, of football. So when, when you're, when you are watching an offensive line, what would they do that would make you think really highly of their coach? You know, I, I, me personally, I, I like watching guys, that play for each other you know it's a really simple thing and it's kind of probably an overstayed thing but I love watching that camaraderie between offensive linemen I think that is a unique and special bond in football watching those guys and then really just watching how hard those guys play you know uh, you know I mean you can tell by watching a kid all right how important the game is to him right and when I watch when I watch an offensive line get after people you know, and just are really physical and will themselves on that offensive line. I mean, on that defensive line or that defensive, that defensive team, that makes me think, man, that offensive line coach really has those kids going. All right, man. That's good stuff. Well, coach, we're, uh, we're running a little short here on time, but uh, we absolutely appreciate you coming on, man. This was, uh, this was some big time stuff. And I know, a lot of our listeners need, I think, some insight into the special teams game, and you've been around it for a long time. So I appreciate you sharing, man. Well, guys, I appreciate you asking me. I appreciate what you guys are doing for football. Um, I'm big fans of both of you guys. I have to watch you work. And obviously, Brady, I worked with you for several years. And like I told you then, I think you're an outstanding coach. And Coach Harper, I've watched your kids too. And, and I know what a great job you do over there for Coach Alexander at Broken Arrow. Um, you know, I'm at River Bluff High School. It's in Lexington, South Carolina. Um, if I can ever be of any assistance to anybody out there, you know, that needs some help with special teams, uh, please feel free to, to, to track me down. I'm on social media, on Twitter, uh, Instagram, all that other stuff. And I would, I would be more than honored and willing to help you any way I can. That's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank our sponsors, Team Attack Academy and Audible. Go get your free audiobook at rtpbook.com. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. 
Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.